Welcome to the Church Solutions Podcast, brought to you by JSL Solutions. The Church Solutions Podcast is designed to help equip you and your church in the use of technology and other tools and services. And now, here are your hosts, Steve Lacey and Phil Thompson. And welcome again to another edition of the Church Solutions Podcast. Hi, my name's Steve Lacey. Nice timing there, Steve. You've got that down after five minutes. Yeah, I need the I need the visual cues. All right, because well, you mix it up every you 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 call an audible every week. Well, you know, it's just sometimes you have to go with the flow. All right. All right. So uh, enough nonsense here. Well, let the nonsense begin. Uh, we're I'm Phil Thompson, and uh, we do this podcast every week. We work with churches. We love to help churches use technology, and so we do things like streaming video, mobile apps, and other stuff that we just kind of make up along the way. Uh, But because we like helping churches, we talk a lot about a lot of different subjects, a lot of broader topics that are ministry related. And so we have a guest today that we've had on before. We love him very much. His name is Jonathan Mom. Jonathan, how are you? Doing great. Got a beautiful day with a little bit of rain, but... uh... It's good for the grass, so. That's that's right. Well, we don't have grass in Arizona, but we actually do, but, but you have to water it. And if you don't water it, you don't. So it's going to be 105 today. And I'm actually, if anybody cares, I'm actually here at my church because our AC unit broke down. We have other AC units, but one of them broke down, so I thought it would be imperative to, since it's going to be like 105 this weekend, to get it fixed. So anyhow... Jonathan is somebody we've known for a while, and this guy grew up in the mountains of Guatemala. He's a Guatemala. That's right, missionary kid. We need to talk about that sometime. Uh, Jonathan's got a, a, all sorts of education. One of the things is a bachelor degree in marketing, and he's been around ministry and churches, as you could guess, all his young adult life. He's uh, been a creative director. He's been a worship leader. He's been a tech dude, I think. And uh, have you ever been a pastor? I tried for about maybe four months being a young adults pastor, and I just I I loved it and I hated it, and I I just didn't feel like it was my stride. So fortunately, I didn't try to push that too hard. <laughs> well, that's okay. Uh, but but you do speak at conferences, and you are an author, and you've written a number of books. <laughs> the last one I think is called Come Back. The Comeback Effect. Is that right? The comeback effect, okay. indeed. And uh, and you've written other ones like one of my favorites is Unwelcome, 50 Ways Churches Drive Away First-Time Visitors. I'm good at doing that, by the way. <laughs> it's not that's not that's not a suggestion on how to drive away first-time oh. visitors. It's a <laughs> oh oh thanks for clearing that up. So you, are you still living in San Antonio? Yeah, I live in San Antonio. I attend a church called Pearl Street Church. Serve there. I live here with my wife, who's a physical therapist, and all of our family, for the most part, lives around us, which is fun. All right. And and I remember this. Uh, Steve's from Texas, so I'll I'll cut him off because otherwise he'll jump in and start saying, (laughs) yeah, I'm from Texas. But uh, uh, you roast coffee beans, right? Yeah, I do. You still. And so, look, uh, I know this is not what the podcast is all about, but I know there's different ways to do it. I mean, there's do you do it in an oven or a a pot? I, I even heard somewhere where you can use a a popcorn maker that roasts coffee beans. Yeah, that's actually how I started. I started with a popcorn maker. Uh, my brother told me about that, so I decided to experiment with that. Bought some some green unroasted coffee beans, and then I upgraded to, it's called a fresh roast. It's 
actually pretty much like a popcorn maker. Like it's it's like an upgrade beyond a popcorn maker. Uh, but yeah, it's it's fun to to get freshly roasted coffee that doesn't cost a whole lot of money. Yeah, and and Steve just loves coffee, don't you, Steve? <laughs> yes, I love watching my wife drink coffee. So, <laughs> all right. No, I'm not a coffee guy. You're a coffee guy, though, Phil. I'm, yeah, I'm. We're few and far between, but we're out there. Yeah. The non coffee years. Yeah. Oh well. I I yeah I. I grew up with coffee, and I love the smell of coffee. And I, when I was a youngster, I, may, I may probably need to go back. But when I was a youngster, I was like, "Oh, mom, that coffee smells so good. Pour me a cup of coffee." And I was like, "This stuff tastes, smells great, but tastes terrible." Yeah. And I've never been back. All right, um, we'll try not to hold that against you. All right, so on to our topic today. Uh, yeah, coffee some other time. Uh, Getting first-time guests to come back to your church. And uh, I, I, I'm assuming that's what the latest book is, right? Comeback Effect? Is that what it's about? That you yeah, I mean, I, the, the, big, the big kind of drive of the book is that, you know, so many of our churches, we, we have the welcome team, we have the parking lot team, we have ushers, we have all the right teams in place. And then somehow, though, there's still this disconnect of people who visit our church and don't feel welcomed or, or feel like it wasn't the right place for them. So so we have all the things in place, where's the disconnect? And that's really what the comeback effect is, is about, is like, what is that missing piece that so many churches, um, so, so many churches need? Yeah, okay, so, good. So what's the, what's the number one reason why people don't come back? <laughs> the number one reason people don't come back? Is there I mean, a lot of times it's, it, yeah, I mean, it's it's and, it's and this sounds harsh, but they don't feel like uh, they belong there. Like that's the number one reason. Like, I if I feel like I belong somewhere, if I feel like it's my family, if I feel like people love me, include me, uh, that's whenever people want to come back. So you know, the the thing you normally hear from people who visit churches a lot is, oh, I went to that church and no one even said hi to me. Right? That's the number one thing you hear. And the, 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 the thing behind that is they felt like, man, they just didn't want me here. They didn't, I didn't feel like I belonged. They didn't include me in the, the club, if you will. So that's the big thing is, is how do you make people feel like they belong uh, when so many churches do want guests to come? You know, like I remember talking to, I was, I, you know, when I was working at my church, I was around town and I, I met this guy who previously attended our church. And I'm like, hey, man, what you been up to? How you been? And he's like, yeah, you know, so we, kept, we caught up. And he said, I was considering visiting church again. You know, I haven't been in a while. Uh, and I was going to bring my brother with me. And my brother said, oh, no, we don't need to go there. Have you, we've driven by there. The, the parking lot's so full. They don't really need us, right? <laughs> and that blew my mind because we were in meetings constantly saying, how are we going to reach more people? How are we going to get the community involved? How are we going to find people? And... The, these were people that had actually considered attending. They had already attended in the past, so they, you know, they, that barrier was down, and they felt like we didn't want them there. And that was just the parking lot. They didn't even step foot in the building. So I started thinking in that moment, what are some things we do that, that unintentionally make people feel like they're not welcomed? That's, so, go ahead. You know, uh, so I would, th there's a lot of people, are, or I probably fall into this camp, where they want to come in and they want to hide, right? That uh, I guess that's a problem with uh, they want to hide, they want to check out the pastor, see what the message is about, and then sneak out. Um, yeah. 
the the impossible there's this impossible thing that happens and i, I don't remember who i was talking about this with but whenever someone visit a church visits a church for the first time often they do want to hide they want to be anonymous they want to feel like they can be safe and check it out and then leave if it's not safe right but then somewhere around like their second or third time or maybe even halfway through like it's it's different for each person maybe halfway through their visit suddenly they want to be seen and they want to be known mm-hmm. and it's different for every single person it's different for every single city for every single church context um that's that's one of the big challenges of onboarding people or making outsiders feel like insiders is is when does that shift take place uh and it is it is different for every single person but ultimately knowing who your church reaches and knowing the the population of your area you can probably make some pretty informed decisions on that um you know obviously like people with people with kids families they probably want to be um known a lot a lot more more quickly than people who are like single college students who maybe want to be more casual in and out if you're a church that is much more community focused people want to be known quicker where if you're like the hip young church that's like the cool place to go man people can be an honest for like a month uh, and not worry about it so there it's 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 a such a contextual thing it's hard to actually put a put a timeline on that but yeah so we do something at our church so I want to get your feedback on um, and we've done it just a few times. We haven't we do it consistently, but you know, talking about the, the hiding, people want to come and sit on the back row. And so what our staff has done is they'll reserve the back row and, and to drive people up to the middle of the congregation or, you know, and then, you know, once the place is filled in the middle, then they'll open the back row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that a, I, is that a friendly time? I'm okay not? with that. I'm okay with that, but the problem is ushers have to be on the ball because whenever I walk into a church, if I'm not being actively seated or if I don't have a reserved spot, the ability to see open seats is much more difficult. So like, you know, from a pastor's perspective, I'm up on stage or a worship leader's perspective, I'm up on stage, I see every single empty seat, right? Like mm-hmm. I see, I mean, you know, like the, the room's only like 50% full, but from the back of the room, when I walk up, 50% full actually feels pretty full because maybe I'm walking in with you know my spouse or maybe even like a family of three or four. So the question is not whether or not are there seats, but are there seats together? Um, are the seats reserved? You know, does someone have their Bible on them on the seat? Am I going to walk up to something? So it, the problem with reserving whole chunks of seats is if your ushers aren't on the ball about noticing the capacity and how many seats are available, or, and they aren't actively seating people. Consequently, what can happen is you can walk up and, and want to sit somewhere, and then you're like, oh, I can't sit there. So then you look like an idiot, like you walked up to a place that you couldn't sit, and then you have to go somewhere else. And I've been in an experience like that where it was a Wednesday night service, and my wife and I got in late because traffic was just nuts. It was doubt We were living in Dallas at the time. We had just had a stressful week. So we're like, let's go to a Wednesday night service. The church we attended didn't have one. We're like, we found a church that had one. We went there. And they had roped off massive sections because they wanted everyone to feel like they were in together, that they were like, it was just this really big community. It was a huge building, but Wednesday night, of course, was a low low attendance. So they'd roped off these places. We kept approaching spots that were reserved or that were reserved for ushers or that were blocked off to keep people from sitting in that area. And it was frustrating. Like that was one experience of many that ultimately let us le- made us leave before worship was even over. We're just like, we're getting out of here. This is more stressful than the week we had that made us want to come here. Um, but yeah, so I mean, 
I'm okay with that, but ultimately the big thing is ushers need to be on the ball. Whoever's seating need to be on the ball and ready to, to make people feel they get along. I, I concur with that. I, I I work with my church and we kind of do the same thing Steve was talking about and we we don't we actually put chairs out as we grow, but it you know, as more people come in then we put some more chairs out in the back. Uh, but because mm-hmm. otherwise everybody would sit in the back, you know. But yeah. But yeah, you're right. I mean, ushers have got to stay on top of that. Otherwise, it's a problem. So uh, what do churches need to have in place to make people feel welcome? You, you mentioned about people feeling welcome and feeling you know, connected earlier. Uh, I mean, is there a couple things you could tell us right off the top that churches could put in place to, to accomplish that? Yeah. I, the, the crazy thing is, you know, a lot of churches will have like parking lot attendees and um so like a parking lot team is great you have uh you know you have greeters that open the doors for people you have people handing out bulletins or or cedars but one of the things that i like to challenge people with is oftentimes who we get in the parking lot are the people who are like maybe introverts maybe the people that like aren't necessarily the greeters but they're like i want to serve um I'm okay with directing traffic, I'm okay with the heat or the cold, depending on where you live or dealing with the rain. But the crazy thing about church attendance and visitors in particular is that most first-time guests have made the decision whether or not they return to a church within the first five, 10 minutes of their visit. So assuming that someone shows up a little bit early to the church, maybe 10 minutes early, five minutes early, they're in the parking lot, they're maybe walking toward the building, they're maybe just sitting down. That means before the professional people, the worship team and the pastor, have I even come up on stage before you've even seen them, you've already made the decision whether or not you're going to return to the church. So the idea of having a parking lot team doesn't necessarily mean that it's a welcoming environment. Uh, Really what the parking lot team should do, and this is what we talk about in the comeback effect, is we have the opportunity to understand that people are walking into our church with negative emotions. Um, Either they're they're worried that they're not going to belong they're worried that they're going to be judged. Maybe they had a stressful drive into church that morning. Their their kids were yelling in the back seat. They had an argument with their spouse on the way there. There are all of these negative emotions that people walk up to a church with. You know, can I find the front door? That's like a, a negative, it's an anxiety, right? So one of the best things that we can do in the guest services experience, in the, the welcome team experience, and street to seat, whatever you want to call it, is to acknowledge those negative emotions and do what we can to replace those negative emotions with positive emotions. So we say, you know, whenever whenever a parking lot team, like a great parking lot team attendant, what they'll do is they'll, you know, they'll dance in the parking lot and they'll just be goofy, they'll be happy, they'll be smiling, they'll have fun. And what that does is it breaks down that tension, it breaks down that anxiety, that barrier to say, okay, they're glad I'm here, uh, it's a lighthearted environment, it's fun, I can do this. So then as they're walking in, you wave at them, you say hi, you greet the kids, um, so basically what that shows is, okay, me, me personally, I'm welcome here. Like I'm the right race, the right gender, the right socioeconomic oh. status, the right clothing, you know, like all these things we're worried about, like, am I going to fit in? Right. Uh, and obviously, you know, we're not saying certain races aren't allowed, certain, but there's that, there's that sense. Am I going to walk into something where I'm like, I'm the only white person or I'm the only black person or I'm the only person of color, you know? Um, there's always that tension. So whenever we can give smiles, whenever we can give affirmation to people every step along the way, what that does is it, it affirms, okay, I am 
invited here. I am welcome here. Uh, and as much as possible. So then understanding that, you know, uh, people are worried about dropping off their kids. So whenever you have a safe environment, you can create safety and, and cleanliness so that parents feel confident dropping off their kids. So for me, what I try to do is evaluate every single negative emotion people might experience walking up to our church and then put someone in place that's in a role to replace that negative emotion with a positive one. So I just realized what the ideal resume is for the parking lot person. It's it's a sign swinger, right? <laughs> it's well, it is. That, <laughs> It's a guy it's, that's just it's really someone, good at swinging signs. Yeah, it's someone that just loves people and is just excited to people, see people and, and just affirming. And even like a grandfatherly type that just loves, you know, especially if you're in a parking lot where there are a ton of kids that are walking up. Man, a grandfather figure that just feels welcoming, loving, and, and just that stable figure is phenomenal. That that speaks volumes to a, to a family. I, I never thought about the emotional aspect of it. I, I mean, that makes perfect sense, right? Uh, I, I just never really considered that aspect of it. Uh, but that's a very good point. Yeah, we, we I think in churches we're afraid of emotions because you know especially if you're if you're in a more denominational context because some people have accused like charismatic and Pentecostal movement of being overly emotional. So uh, and obviously that's that's in the structure of the service or whatever. But the idea is that man, we we are coming with emotions. And frankly, you know you have that scripture where Jesus took our anxieties on himself. He bore our anxieties. He bore our infirmities. So understanding the emotions, you know, we shouldn't be driven by our emotions, but understanding that people are emotional creatures. And when you can acknowledge those, then hopefully you can address them and then move past them. So, so there's a delicate balance that needs to be reached. I, I think back to um, churches that I've been to, and they have, they have really good ways to reach out to the new people. But there sometimes could be considered in your face ways to reach out to the new people. Yeah. So there's a balance between making people feel comfortable and reaching out to them, right? How? What's the yeah. best way to gauge that, or what's what's a what are some good tactics to read that? Or yeah, I mean, a lot of it. A lot of it has to do with emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. which is the ability to see what's going on in someone else's eyes. So whenever someone, you know, so last Sunday I was, I was working uh, in our welcome team and I saw someone, <laughs> this is not a good idea normally, but th in this context it worked. So, you know, I met someone before service happened. He's like, yeah, I'm new in town here. I'm in the military. This is my first service coming. Uh, just excited to be here. So we went into the service. He came out. We have this VIP area for first time guests. And the room was full. It was just like packed full. So I, I, I saw him. He was he was walking by and he was just kind of hanging out. He looked. Uh, and then he's like, yeah, I could just see he was kind of sizing it up. And then he walked out. And I was like, that guy really wanted to go in there, but he felt intimidated by it. So what I did is I actually chased after him into the parking lot and said, hey, did you get a chance to go to VIP? And he's like, no, I didn't. I'm like, would you would you like to go? And I, I mean, like that's that's a bad idea to chase after someone, right? Like that's a really bad idea because that's in your face. But because I acknowledge, okay, this guy was really interested. This guy was disappointed he wasn't going to be able to go in there. And so then what I was able to do is I was able to like move the crowd around because I was confident I was in the area, and I brought him into VIP. A great experience. Normally that's not the case, but at the same time that was at the end of the service where he'd already decided he was in. He he liked it. He he saw something he liked. So. At the beginning of the service, we should be much less aggressive, much less in your face. You know, one thing my church does, which I love, is they don't shake hands. Uh, they only do high fives. 
So as you're walking in, high five. It's low. It's very, very unthreatening, positive experience. You feel like you're walking, you know, you're, you're on, walking onto the field and you're just like about to play a game. It's just fun, right? Like that's part of our culture. Um, I told that to a to a church in Dallas that's much more like they're much more reserved, much more like uh, status uh, focused. And he's like, dude, I would hate that. Like I would, I would not want to go to that church. So mm-hmm. again, there's definitely a contextual element there where like depending on the people you're going to reach. I, I think of that that scripture uh, where, where Paul's talking about, he's basically saying this is a bad thing, that you know, some of you say you're of Apollo, some of you say you're of Paul, some of you say you're of Jesus. We're all one body, right? He says that. But at the same time, acknowledging that, man, some people connected better with Apollos. Something about Apollos, people really connected with him. Some people, Paul, Paul was like a salty guy. Like, he had a lot of, like, conflict with people he was working with like if you read if you read in acts like a lot of people were rubbed wrong by him but then some people were from paul so acknowledging who your church reaches acknowledging you know who your pastor is naturally going to reach the type of person that your pastor is the type of person that tends to come that'll really help inform a lot of what you do as far as welcoming people we have in the in the back of the book this this idea of actually like an avatar that you can create for your typical guest and that's we talk about you know what magazines do they read what uh what what clothing stores they shop at what's their education level what a um you know what tv shows do they watch and that informs a lot about how that person would want to be welcomed and then you can craft everything around that okay so jonathan if you're tailoring your welcome group for your target you're i'm assuming you're going to lose certain people and and i guess that's okay i mean if if people aren't a good fit and they don't want to high five what's yeah, I mean, you know, there are people who will attend a church because they believe in the intentionality of what's going on. So when my wife and I visited visit churches, like when we moved to Dallas, for instance, we visited two churches and both churches we were ready to go to. And they couldn't have been more different, really. One was Matt Chandler's church, The Village, which is very, you know, theologically sound, very theologically rich, geared primarily toward Christians. And then we also visited Fellowship Church, which is like, dude, Pastor Ed Young is like crazy attention. Like uh, he was in the middle of, of Sex Experiment, this book that he'd written about like, you know, getting couples to, to be intimate like every night of the week, right? Like, so like the difference in these two churches was insane, but because we believed in the vision for both of them and we believed in the intentionality for both of them, we were down with it, even though they were so different. Um, so there's an element of people being able to buy into it. You know, they're reaching someone obvious, right? Like, so there's that element. So you will get people that even if they're not the, the target market, they'll still still go because they're on board. But ultimately, man, you are gonna you are gonna get some people to like not love what you do. But that's frankly gonna happen when they listen to the worship music. That's gonna happen when they listen to your pastor. That's gonna happen when they see you know the types of people that are hanging around after service. Uh, so much easier to be entirely who you are. You know, I think of like a radio station, um, radio stations that play every type of music. Nobody wants to listen to those because you can't make everyone happy. Right. So instead you listen to the, the, the station that's most aligned with who you are. And that's the beauty of the church. The beauty of the church is that God has different churches on different corners, doing different things, reaching different people. If we're trying to reach everyone, we're probably not doing what God has uniquely called us to do. Right. So you also mentioned that, I mean, people don't come back because they don't feel welcome or they don't have a connection. I mean, this is after second, third time. 
what's mm-hmm. the what's the pitfall there and what's what's some ways to to solve that problem yeah that's definitely outside of the scope of the comeback effect but i just so happen to be working on that with my church so i'm happy to go into that so um one thing that i was i was talking to my friend who works at um, met church in dallas and we were i was asking him a question and i said i wonder because I've, I've been going through this recently is how many people do you have to be able to recognize and be recognized by on a Sunday morning to feel like you're starting to belong in a church, right? So, you know, if I've started going to a church, maybe it's my fourth, fifth time, I realized I kind of want to be able to be connected to maybe one staff member where I can like, hey, wave at them, they wave back, we've already had some interaction. Maybe two random people that, you know, I met in, in line or I met getting coffee or, um, so. Ideally, what you can do is if you can try to get people connected with three or four people where there's that like there, that's, there's that knowing they know me, I know them, maybe not intimately, but, you know, we've maybe gone grab coffee. We've we've had a meaningful conversation somewhere. That's really the way to get people connected. So, so often what we do is we, we get them into a funnel of like emails and we get them into text messages and different systemic things of trying to connect them. But ultimately, people want to connect with people. So. One of the best things you can do is, you know, maybe your first time guest uh, connects with a, in the VIP room and connects with one person. They get to know them. And then that person who welcomed them said, hey, I would love to connect. You know, I noticed that you work in you work in the Air Force. I actually have a friend who works in the Air Force. I think you guys would get along. Is it cool if I share your information and he reaches out to you and just says hi or or you connect to him, connect them in the in the actual service? Like, hey, Jim, come over here. I want you to meet this guy. So what you're doing is you're connecting them with people. And that's one, I think, one of the most powerful things you can do more than, you know, having cookies or a gift or any of that stuff, but just looking for intentional ways to connect them with people that they're going to get along with. And that's the way you can make people feel like they belong. Okay. So a couple minutes left here, guys. Uh, I'm going to butt in here. Uh, so when it comes to getting first time people to come back, uh, where do we lose people in that, in that whole thing? I mean... I mean, I know you've probably covered a little bit of indirectly here, but I mean, what would the number one thing that we would be doing to lose people or not doing to lose people to get them to come back? Yeah, and, it, you know, different churches are, are going to experience it. Um, you know, different things are going to make different people not want to come back. But one of the things that we talk about in the comeback effect, which is a really powerful exercise for any church to do, is to think through the Sunday morning experience uh, think through it scene by scene. So almost like you imagine it like it's a story, right? And the hero of that story is not you. The hero of that story is the first time guest. So I, I almost like to think of it like Lord of the Rings, right? So like the first time guest is Frodo and their mission is to make it to the end goal, right? And so they're they're along their way, they're going to find different inconveniences. Um, it's just that's just naturally what's going to happen. I need to go to the restroom. Where's the restroom? That's an inconvenience. That's a that's a potential threat, right? And our job is either we're going to be the um, the enemy, the person who gets in their way, who's too aggressive, who's too in their face, um, or we're going to be maybe an inconvenience, someone just like that kind of is in the way but not necessarily offensive, or we get to be their friend and help them along the way, right? So we look for ways. Okay, this is this is a decision point. This is a potential. Um, conflict point that they're going to go through where do they go where's where's the front entrance where's the front entrance of the, of the building that's a conflict point so if we can put 
really visible signage or, or, or craft our building in such a way that the front entrance is obvious. And you, you, you cluster people around the doors so they know that's the entrance. That's where people are entering in. Um, that's one way that you can, you know, be an assistant for them. You can be a help, a help to them. Knowing that, you know, going into the auditorium and then maybe going into the restroom, people are going to have questions. And so you set someone up there who's looking for eyes. And if their eyes are kind of looking around like this, you say, oh, they're probably looking for the restroom or they're probably looking for something. So I'm going to go in and say, hey, can I help you find something? Yes, the restroom. Let me take you there. Not go in with you. I'm not going to go to the restroom with you, but <laughs> escort them to the restroom. So looking for opportunities as we transition them from scene one to scene two to scene three, looking for opportunities that we can become their ally and help them get from scene to scene um, without a lot of dis uh, dissonance and a lot of uh, conflict. That's what we can do to help people. That's good. I, I like that analogy. Uh, Steve wants to talk, but we're running out of time here. <laughs> Just well, you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned the VIP room. Not everybody does that. I assume I'm mm -hmm. kind of reading between the lines. I assume the VIP room is first time guests, get to yeah. a special place and food and the pastors there and that sort of thing. Yeah, so it. usually, you know, a lot of churches will do, you know, maybe not necessarily a room, but a section of their lobby. That's like the VIP section. And just that's where you're going to have your people who, you know, really carry the vision of the church. They're, they're willing to pray with you. They're willing to tell you everything you might need to know about the church. The pastor will often go back there and just hang up there knowing that that's where guests are going to go. Um, so there's that, or just a simple, you know, the way we get their visitors card and then we give them something or we send them a letter. Like you can do it, you can do it corporeally or you can do it, um, through a letter or through an email. But obviously I love the idea of in-person because there's that person to person, you know, online I can connect with people easily, right? Like it's an easy thing, but something special about connecting in person that people still value, uh, in a church context that, if you have the opportunity to do that, why not, why not do it? So you don't have to necessarily have a room. You could have a section. You could have an area. You could have you know, the front of your auditorium if you have a lot of time between services where people can come up. Um, just give them a chance to, to know that they're going to meet people that are like there for them. Yeah, that's good. So the name of the book, or at least the last book, you're working on another one, but this one is called The Comeback <laughs> Effect, right? The Comeback. The two words, come back. Come back and, and people yeah. at what John Amazon would be a place you could get it. Yeah, it's 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 in all major outlets. So you know if you want to grab it on Barnes and Noble, Christian bookstores, uh, it's on audiobook on Audible. Um, I know a lot of people like to do audiobooks, especially if you're a podcast listener. You'll probably love an audiobook. So come back effect three words and it's and it's Jonathan Mom and and your your last mm -hmm. name. I'm probably going to butcher this. M A L M. You got it. Yeah, there's a, there's a Swedish furniture collection that's right, called remember, the Mall Collection. I remember you, you talked about that uh, our last time here. So, so anyhow, if folks want to get a hold of you, is there a website or what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Yeah, find me on Instagram um, or on my personal website, jonathanmalm.com. Uh, I love new friends. Connect with me. <laughs> yeah, well, good. We, we, we definitely, that's that's a good thing to do. I, I probably should follow you on Instagram. So, yeah. <laughs> but, all right. So, look, we're out of time here. Uh, so, I want to thank Jonathan, of course, Steve Lacey. And also, I want to talk, I want to thank Manny, the AC guy that was walking around. <laughs> next year, I think somewhere not, but he got our AC unit working. So, all right. only cost a couple thousand, but uh, hey, what's, <laughs> it wasn't that much. 
But anyhow, so we appreciate folks. We're out of time. As I said, we really appreciate you spending some time with us today. Uh, this has been the Church Solutions Podcast. Uh, Jonathan Mom, Steve Lacey, I'm Phil Thompson, and we hope that you have a great day. We'll catch you next time on another edition. Take care.